Let me in prayer. Gracious God, loving God, living God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence this day. We thank you for this gift of life and this gift of this moment to be together, to draw near to one another in faith, to draw near to you who first drew near to us. Lord, we pray now that good news would not only be proclaimed, but it would be received into the depths of our being, that we might find ourselves strengthened for a life of love and hope and faith during these days. Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul delivered this stirring admonishment to Christians living in the ancient city of Philippi in order to highlight the essential qualities of their community, a community gathered around the risen Christ, proclaiming the good news of his triumph over sin and the opportunity, the invitation, the empowerment that the people receive through that grace to live lives of love for one another to live lives that make a difference, to live lives rooted and grounded in God's abiding truth. Paul indicates that these essential qualities include virtues like humility and self-sacrifice and love, qualities, he points out, that Christians embody because we recognize them most clearly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Paul continues in that passage, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. These verses from Philippians chapter 2 are some of Paul's most treasured. Philippians chapter 2 is a commonly quoted passage of Paul's letters. And the exhortations found there to leave selfishness and arrogance behind still resonate with us, reminding us that humility and self-sacrifice and love are at the heart of our identity as Christians. Christians at one level are people who pursue humility and self-sacrifice and love as, as cardinal defining virtues and characteristics of our lives. Likewise, Paul insists that the, it, it, in, it, Paul's insights into the Christ who freely chooses to empty himself are also invaluable contribution to the faith that we profess. We don't worship a victim of circumstance. We don't worship a rebel-rousing prophet who just offended the wrong people and ended up dead on a cross. We worship the Son of God. We worship God in the flesh who freely gave himself, sacrificed himself out of love, not only for us, but for all the world. 
And then there's this passage's most significant revelation. In our relationships with one another, in our attitudes and our conduct toward others, we aim no lower than to be like Christ. Be humble and self-sacrificing as Christ is humble and self-sacrificing, Paul urges. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. We put that phrase on refrigerator magnets and bumper stickers, but we should never lose the understanding of just how radical that statement is. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. A divine mind, a holy mind, the mind of God in the flesh. Let that same mind be in you. Now, there's little doubt that Philippians chapter 2 is one of Paul's most notable contributions to Christian thought. In fact, it's such a wonderfully distilled statement of theological belief and ethical expectation that if it lacks anything, if this passage lacks anything in how it empowers our understanding of what it means to live the life of faith as disciples of Jesus Christ, it is perhaps the lack of a case study, of an application of this passage. And I believe that Paul did give us such a case study. It's just not in this letter called Philippians. It's in the book of 1 Corinthians. And if you know that book as well, you know 1 Corinthians is written to a terribly divided community, a community divided over things like the kind of food that they could eat, a kind of community that was even at odds about uh, whether or not uh, the, the, the person who baptized you made you a better Christian than those others in your community. This was a community that fought about sex. This was a community that fought about money. This was a community that was divided on about every possible way that we would see a church divided, oh, even to this very day. Right. And Paul, uh, throughout that letter, is trying to raise them above the partisan divide that had come to infect that congregation, trying to lift them up and rise them up over those things that would uh, cause them to see one another as opponents whose arguments were to be defeated rather than brothers and sisters in the life of faith who were to be loved and to find a way to walk forward with in this journey of life. The most notable uh, 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 explanation of the essence of Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians comes over that issue of food sacrifice to idols. Uh, It's a strange, foreign concept to us, but just like we're perhaps familiar with the labels that we see on the butcher shop and the grocery store to this day, grass-fed, free-range, organic, all these things, Uh, In the marketplace in Paul's day in Corinth, you would have found things like sacrificed on the altar of Zeus, offered up to the emperor, sacrificed in Apollo's name. And Christians at that time, uh, quite honestly and earnestly, were, were at a divide as to whether that made them complicit in supporting that infrastructure of belief and, 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 and perhaps of the political claims of the emperor as well. And some said, you know, we've left that stuff behind. We, we shouldn't eat that food if it's going to bear that mark. And others said, that mark means nothing to us. Go ahead and eat. And we might say, uh, tomato, tomato, go your way, I'll go mine. But, but we have a tendency not to be able to let things go like that, right? Uh, and again, they couldn't let them go. And that argument became more and more intense. And it, I'm sure that 
Instead of arguing about food, they quickly began to argue about who was the better person, who was the better Christian, who was more loving, who was more affirming of justice, who was simply better than the other. And finally, someone had the good sense to say, you know, Paul was here with us for a good long while. Why don't we invite Paul to respond and give us some insights into this? And I love Paul's response to them. He breaks it down. He breaks it down for them, kind of uh, addresses the philosophical arguments that they were making, uh, addresses the practical arguments they were making. And he reaches this conclusion. He says, you're trying to get me to come down on one side or the other, aren't you? You're trying to get me to say, eat meat, don't eat meat. Paul says, you know what? The truth is, yeah, eat meat. You can go and eat that meat if you want to. No big deal. But here's what you can't do. You're not free not to love your neighbor. You're not free to allow your freedom to cause you to harm another of your brothers or sisters in this family of faith. You're not free not to love. And it's in that response that I think Paul lays out for us something that's incredibly relevant for our journey today. Because if he just said, if he just answered that question, sure, eat meat, sacrifice to Zeus, we'd be like, big deal. What does that mean to us? Not really on the radar of all the things that I'm worried about right now. And I'm worried about a lot of things. Zeus is not one of them, right? But that's not where Paul stops. That's not what Paul recognized as the deeper problem. What Paul recognized, and quite prophetically recognized, was the, the, the ability and the temptation of the human heart to fracture itself and to fracture one's community into opposing parties and to wage war against one another. So it doesn't become about you and I pursuing something that would lift us both up, but it becomes about me lifting myself up and holding you down, about me elevating my own position and keeping you in your place. It becomes about division. It becomes about the zero-sum game of conflict. And Paul says, when that atmosphere infiltrates the church, when that atmosphere infiltrates our hearts and our minds, we will find ourselves slowly but surely drifting further and further away from the love of and the example of and the mind of Jesus Christ. Partisanship has undoubtedly entered into the atmosphere of our nation, right? Not this summer, not in the last few years. It's been a defining characteristic of our nation for a generation or more. And what strikes me uh, just so emphatically is how that partisanship strikes at the very heart of truth in so many ways. Because the fact that different people could, uh, could reach different conclusions about the best way forward, that's just, that's, that's probably healthy, right? But it's when I assume that my positions are rooted in fact and your positions are obviously rooted in lies. And I'm not going to make any step to understand where you're coming from or, 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 or why you think what you do or why you think that's the way we should go. And I've got a whole atmosphere of television channels to confirm that I'm right 
and you're wrong. And heaven forbid, Twitter is the gift of everyone who ever wanted to be affirmed in their belief that they're right and everyone else is wrong. And it's that same mentality that infiltrated the church in Corinth so long ago. It's, it, it's not... It's, it, it, it's not that, oh, differences of opinions, we just got to be quiet and we, 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 we can't speak about important issues of justice and love and, and, and rejecting those things that denigrate humanity and rejecting those things that are just, are just false. That's not it. But it's when we allow those divisions to cause us to see others as enemies, to be defeated, to be crushed, to be punished. I've seen such, uh, I don't even know why I'm on Twitter, right? It it, it doesn't do anything for my mental health. It doesn't do anything for for the well-being of my soul, really, except it gives me fodder like this to get up on a Sunday morning and say, there's some pretty jacked up thinking out there in the world right now, right? There's some pretty hurtful things that are being lobbed at one another. There are pretty hurtful things that, that, uh, that, that we just get blinded to well, I say it today. I thought it was a lie when you said it a few years ago, but, but, but I'm saying it today because it's true. Paul calls us, and the church always calls us, to something better. To love. To truly and earnestly love. And in that way, to embody the mind of Christ. To always have at the forefront of our consciousness a pursuit of truth. To always have at the forefront of our consciousness uh, a a willingness to go to those who are hurting. To listen, to offer comfort, to offer hope, to offer a difference to those who have been smacked around and pushed around and rejected by the powers that be, whoever those powers might be. So over the next few months, we're going to be bombarded on a daily basis with all sorts of messages. And I already know that so many of you are are just besought with anxiety and fears and, 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 and questions about what can I do? What difference can I make? How can I engage? How can I be a part of, 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 of making a difference in my community? How can I be a part of getting some of this stuff off my chest so I can sleep through the night? How can I be a part of, 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 of just finding a little corner of peace because I got an election going crazy and I got COVID going crazy and I got school going crazy. I got a lot of stuff going crazy right now. Our faith offers us a way forward that calls us always and forever back to the one who loved us first. Back to Jesus, where we find comfort, where we find hope, where we find an unquenching thirst for truth and what is truly the loving option in each and every circumstance in which we find ourselves. But the kind of truth and the kind of love that would never be satisfied with me just getting the win at the expense of my neighbor, but instead would call us to take on the actions and the attitudes that would lift others up, that would make a difference in the lives of a hurting world. We have a faith and we have a Savior who we are invited to let our lives shine with and to invite to let our lives share in how we worship and how we treat others, in how we speak and how we conduct our lives. So wherever you are feeling uh, 
pulled or called to serve and make a difference in the days ahead. Uh, Whatever field, whatever of all the pressing things going on in this world right now, wherever you're feeling the, the itch to make a difference, do it. Do it. Do it with love. Offer it up to God. Check yourself, essentially. Because you're free to do a lot of stuff. You're free to do a lot of stuff even in the name of God. But you are not free. You're never free not to love. Because God loved us first. And that's why we can always gather together and say that this Savior and this message is good news for you and for me and for all the world. Thanks be to God then for this Savior and this good news. Amen and amen. Would you please stand?